You're listening to the Brick by Brick podcast, where we take you from the ground up on real estate investing. Join us on our entrepreneurial voyage through the world of flipping houses, managing rental property, and building a real estate empire. Welcome back to the Brick by Brick podcast. I am John Errico here as always with Ryan Goldfarb. Today we are extremely excited to have a special guest, David Richter. Uh, David is a uh, many wears many hats, but um, is also a podcast host, as we are for the Profit First for REI podcast. Ryan and I have appeared on David's podcast, and I don't know when that will be released relative to when this is being released, but please check us out on that podcast and check out the podcast in general. Uh, it has great information. But David, um, first of all, welcome. Thank you for being on our, our podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm always It's always a pleasure to get on and spread the message as much as possible. So David, why don't we start, um, if you could give us sort of the high level overview of what you currently do, and then I would love to kind of drill down into your career, yeah. how and why you are doing what you're doing, and, and then branch off from there. So currently... I'm the author of Profit First for Real Estate Investing, a book out there in the for the real estate investing community. But I also run a fractional CFO business, so part-time chief financial officers, because everyone has a sucky bookkeeper and CPA usually, and they don't have anyone to be the glue there to actually say what's actually going on on the financial side. So where are they making it, spending it, and are they keeping any of it? So that's what we really focus on to make sure people are keeping more of the money that they're making. So that's what uh, that's what I'm into right now, and trying to spread the message of profit first as well too, just making sure people make profit habit inside their business that's awesome so i would love to hear how that i i you know i believe if i'm not mistaken that your your path to that involved real estate right owning real estate closing deals wholesaling etc cetera, etc cetera. i would love to hear a little bit about that that yeah. journey um first of all do you have a, a background in in finance is that how the cfo fractional cfo business kind of generated if you can see me i don't know if people are just listening to this or can see me i know i look like i should have a a background in finance and then I have a fractional CFO company but I have zero background in finance I wasn't a bookkeeper wasn't a CPA didn't get my accounting degree or anything but I run a fractional CFO firm but the reason I did I started that because my background is as a real estate investor and so I started about 10 years ago bought my first house on 12 12 12 and have never looked back I read rich dad poor dad someone gave me that in college yeah. that's what changed everything for me and my mindset so it was a very typical story there but then I started working with a company where we grew, you know, the deal flow from about five deals a month, about 25 deals a month, doing wholesale, fix and flips, turnkeys, rentals, short-term, long-term, everything in between, uh, lease options, subject to deals. I, I got to learn a lot in the five years I was there. And then one of the things I did learn, I, I did get to sit in the finance seat there, even without a financial background, because they must have looked at me too and said, you should fit in this seat. But then I sat there and I was like, okay, now that I understand, because I literally sat down with our CPA for like six months and said, tell me everything. Like, I want to understand how the money flows through here and what does all these mean on the profit and loss, the balance sheet, everything. Once I had that, the, that power in my hands, I could like tell the full story because I had worked in sales and acquisitions and selling the properties and property management mm -hmm. and a lot of different seats up to that point. And now I understood how the money flowed through 
and if we were profitable or not. So I'm like, this is good stuff. Like, but then at the same time, we were doing 25 deals a month, but spending 26 worth out the door. I'm like, this is not working. So yeah. that's where it was like, okay, this is this sucks. So that was my first eye-opening experience to where it didn't matter that we did more deals that we had grown that much if we weren't going to keep more of it on the way up too. Then I would go to these other events and hear on like different places, like whether it was a mastermind or a meetup or whatever, that people were like, oh, yeah, we just did our most deals ever. We did a million dollars last year or whatever it might be. And then they're crying at the bar later because they're like, yeah, but I don't know where any of the money is. You know, like all the money goes in, money goes out. I have no idea what's going on. I just kept hearing that story over and over again. Then I moved across the country after five years of working there. I moved to Virginia, started with another guy, and since I had the power, of seeing the numbers on the back end i immediately asked him like i don't care anything that you tell me how many deals you're doing what's coming in i want to see your books like i want to see your numbers the numbers will tell your story and he didn't have books like i mean he had books and a bookkeeper but they weren't real estate investing bookkeepers so it was like it was a mess like the story that i got was just a jumbled mess where i couldn't read it at all so i'm like we have to clean this up we have to get it to where you know and are very confident what are you making spending keeping on a monthly basis like i need to get that so got that within three months and then from there i wanted to make sure that he had a good system to like you know know where all the numbers were so then we went through and was like well here's where all your cash is it's in your rentals like it's over here because he had bought a bunch of rental properties and all of his equity was tied up there he only had like 30 percent loan to value so it was like that's where all his money was so that's where now i was able to just help him understand where the money was so to me he said to me at that time just knowing what i make spend and keep then from here also knowing like where the money was going inside of my business has yeah. been life-changing because like now I can make better decisions around my money. So that's where, to me, I felt called to <laughs> to do the uh, the company that I have today, like to start Simple CFO because I'm like, I have a real estate background, but so many people I know are struggling with, they think income solves all problems. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're not taking the root cause and really knowing what's going on. So that's where I'm like, yeah. So there's a lot wow. there. Uh, yeah. first, so thank you for that. Yeah, there, there's a ton to unpack there. So I, I, you know, my my initial impressions. First of all, I I I, I hear that. Like I, I like you know that 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 strikes a very core, you know, chord with me about yeah. uh, you know money coming in, money coming out. And one of the things I was shocked before I you know went into business for for my own at all, right? You know, so I, you know I worked a normal job. Um, probably like most, most people have at some point in their life. Uh, and you know, when I went into business, I sort of had this naive assumption that every business that I, that I had interacted with before as a, you know, W2 earner or, you know, would start knew exactly how much money they were making. They had everything buttoned up. It was just this kind of magic thing that every business had. And I was shocked to realize that, you know, even something like, for example, you know, we, we, uh, as we've talked about on this podcast, Ryan and I have operated and currently operate a construction business, right? But even determining something as, you know, shall we say trivial sounding, trivial sounding as saying like, did, did I make money on this construction project? Right. Yeah. Like period. Like as a general contractor, right. Did I pull in more money than what I made? That itself is not one. That's not a trivial question. And two, like if you ask general contractors, like no one knows the answer to that. That's like, I don't know, like may, maybe, you know, like, and, and if so, how much, right. Did I make a lot? Did I make a little? Is that good? Is that bad? 
I don't know. Right. So yeah. that, that like we, we encounter that a lot, I, you know, with, with our affiliated businesses, like for our construction company, it doesn't really matter how much we make because we don't really take any money out of that business. Right. But like e even something like that is, you know, it's like, it's almost like forensic accounting type of stuff, right? It's like going back being like, well, I bid this sub and then I had this overage and then this and that, and then I rented this car and that was kind of for this kind of, for, you know, it's just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Right. So I, I feel that pain a lot. Um, and then, the, and then the secondary question to that is, if you made money, was was it worth all the time? And exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Very yeah. much so. One one thing I, I that that you said that I I found interesting and I want to drill down on too is, um, you know, when you were doing real estate investing and and you know now you're kind of interfacing with real estate investing. I'm, I'm sure you're still investing, but you know interfacing also with other investors in a different way. Yeah. Um, is it the case that, you know, a, a topic that comes up a lot in real estate investor investing is, you know, do I make money through through cash flow, right? Through like rental, uh, revenue or, you know, whatever, or do I make money on appreciation? Like what, why am I doing it? Right. Am I making money to, to like, so I don't have to work a day job. Am I making money so that I can retire? Right. I think that those distinctions are, are pretty important. And I'll just say candidly from my own experience in real estate, like, I've made money through cash flow, right? Like through 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 rents, but like I've made a lot of money, like real money, like the money that I would actually go into real estate for from like selling properties, right? Yeah. Like from appreciation. So I wonder what your a what your 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 background for the five years that you were working, you know, in this company was with that, and b what are your opinions on that today? Oh sure. So back then I was buying my own rentals, and I like the I like the cash flow game, but I also like the appreciation game as well too. I mean, my first house was a home run, where I like rented it out, then lived in it for two years, then did a lease option on it, and then the tenant cashed me out six months later. So there was like no capital gains because of the tax law. You know, yeah. it's like this was a great deal. Like I got everything from it. I got cash flow. I got you know rent. I got the lease option. Then oh, yeah. I got the actual you know, cash out. So that's where in the business too, we were doing a bunch of different exit strategies. So we were doing wholesale and flipping and rentals. And so I liked all of that. So we had a mixture. I also feel like too, at that point, one of the reasons why we were doing 25 deals, but spending 26 worth out the door was we were too unfocused. We had too many exit strategies. So it was too much, you know, overhead and the people that we had to employ to do the different types of exit strategies and like growing that big. So I feel like that was part of the downfall. If I had my way, we would have kept growing the lease option portfolio we had we had about 80 lease options in indiana and like uh michigan area and then we had about 20 long-term rentals and the lease option properties were really good and because this was like 2014 15 16 a lot of people still couldn't get you know a loan or right. because of the bankruptcies of 2008 9 10 so it was like we were helping people that were good people that just couldn't get go out there and get a mortgage at that point at that point so it was like i really like that and they paid better as well too because they had an option to purchase the property. They had first, you know, rights to purchase it. So it was like, we did a lot of good stuff back then. So that's probably what I leaned a little bit more towards because it was, you got the cash flow, but then you got the option to sell it to them as well too. And then to get, you know, and to capitalize on that appreciation at some point, you know, of like, okay, I'm going to, I know I can at least make this much on this house and lock that in and maybe give them a good deal. If it does keep appreciating, like they're going to have some equity too. So I felt that like was a win, win, win. Then in today's market, I'm a, I, I am all about what is the best thing for your business? Like, what can you capitalize on and be intentional about 
that's where even when we were talking on my podcast and Ryan, I had asked you, like, you've done a lot of things in real estate. Like, why did you pick the different things that you're doing? It's like finding what doesn't work, you know, like what doesn't work for me, because like what you can do and your expertise is going to be different than someone else's. So I feel like in today's market, of course, with higher interest rates, it might be difficult to do like the Burr strategy as much as you were doing it a year or two ago. So it's like some of those strategies, you're going to just have to pivot into something different. Maybe subject two is a lot better acquisition strategy at this point, because maybe you could get one of those two, three, four percent loans that someone has locked in. So you're you, so that way you have more options when you acquire that property too. Right. Can I sell this? Can I just keep it because it's such a low interest rate and then I could do a short-term rental or a long-term rental on it or like whatever it might be. But there's just, it's, you know, just in this environment with the higher interest rates, it, the, the strategies just change. So that's why I also like teaching the profit first methodology too, because it's like, no matter what the market does, at least you don't have to worry about, even if it crashes, you'll still have cash. You'll still be okay. You just have to pivot to what works for that market and what you right. can do as well too, because a lot of people can make it. It's just making sure you're keeping it as well. So that way you, you're not going down when everyone else is, you know, jumping ship on yeah. the Titanic. So let, so yeah. let me take you to the, the moment when you decided to start simple CFO. Yeah, yeah, and, for sure. and that. So, you know, you, you obviously, um, so that, you know, that's a business, right? That, that, yeah. that, that's a, you know, its own venture. Did, did you, did you think maybe, maybe this, the, the way I envisioned that you might've started, right? As you said, I see this problem, right. That, that you described, which is that, you know, from my own experience, it's this problem that no one, no one knows where their money's going in real yeah. estate, um, which I absolutely is a problem. Did, did you then go and say, okay, I can solve that by being a consultant. I can solve that by starting a business that has a process. I can solve that by, you know, offering, like selling a good, right? I, I know that you've also, yeah. you, know, you know, the book that you mentioned and, and all of that. Like what what was the, you know, what, how did that come to be, I guess? And what sure. was your process behind it? First thought process was just help, just going into these businesses and do the same thing as I did with that first guy and say like, okay, here's where your money's going and just make, just giving them that clarity. So more of consultant, I guess, from the beginning, even though I didn't even think of it then I was thinking more, I want to create a business eventually and have mm -hmm. systems and processes, but I got a call from my mentor and I called him and had a good conversation when I first started it and told him like that, what I was doing because he was in the real estate world, but like, and coaching and consulting, but he was doing it for operations and not the finance. So I was like, Hey, you see a lot of businesses. Do you, are you seeing the same things that I am? And would this be a, a good business to start? So I had a good mentor who was like, yes, like I could even refer people right away to get in there. So that was a good in and a good confirmation. But then he told me the biggest piece of advice that I'm still using today. He said, you need to read the book profit first. You know, like if you're going to start a financial company to help them, it's a great framework. So I I read that book that evening when he told me, took 10 pages of notes and said, this is incredible because it speaks to me as the entrepreneur. And like this, you don't have to be a numbers person or a financial wizard or guru like you just or have any accounting degree. But this system will help you know where the dollars are going in your business. So that's when I started incorporating it. So there was like that product as well of like implementing a cash flow system with an actual framework that Profit First teaches. Then eventually, once I was implementing Profit First for about a year, I went to Mike Michalowicz, the original author of Profit First, and said, I have a real estate background, and now I've implemented Profit First successfully and see people going from like out of business with their hair on fire to like nice 
orderly, calm, have money in the bank, you know, and I actually see that transformation. So I just asked, could I write Profit First for Real Estate Investing? That's how the book came to be as well, too. So then it from there, I knew I couldn't just be a consultant anymore either. Like it was just me because I was going to have too many requests to work with us because of the message that we were getting out there. So that's when it started scaling as well and started bringing CFOs on the team and just growing from there. So that's kind of how the progression went, you know, of like that metamorphosis of the, the business. Yeah. So what what is what does that business look like right now? That simple yeah. CFO business is it? How many people do you employ? Like how is that structured? How does that work? So we have about twenty five CFOs, have a leadership team of six people, and then have work with over a hundred real estate investors on a monthly basis, where the CFOs are going in there and helping them make real decisions on the money and just get a good. We call it the very first ninety days. We call it laying the financial foundation. Like here's the 101 stuff you need as a business owner, like getting the cash in order, getting your books so you, you can get a clean P&L balance sheet, you know, cash flow statement right from the beginning. We implement a dashboard with all of our clients that's customized to their business. It's a simple Google sheet because like we want it to be very easy working back and forth, but it's tailored to the real estate investing industry. So that's like what they get up front. And that's where I'm just trying to get them to know three simple numbers. What are we making, spending, and keeping on a monthly basis? And which dials do we need to turn? Are we not making enough? Or are we spending in the wrong areas? Like, do we get to keep any of it? And like, or is my hair on fire in my personal life? Like, I, like, I can't keep living like this because usually like we've talked about here, people think income is always the answer, right? More income solves all the problems. And then they get to six figures, six, you know, then the 500,000 mark and then the seven figure mark. And it's like the problems are just that many zeros bigger. And it's like, that's where the true financial freedom comes from knowing I can also make the money, but then keep it as well too, and have a system for it. So that's what we're trying to <laughs> impart to people is helping them become that savvy business owner. And that's what the business looks like today. That's great. What what is the what is the average profile look like of your clients in terms yeah. of real estate experience, scale, financial experience, et cetera? We have two main programs. We have one where we just lay the foundation. So if you've done five deals or less, we're usually that's where you are. You know, like you've you're starting to ramp up, but you're like, I need the foundation, but I don't need other things. So that's where we have one. But the one that we work with the people the most is when they're either doing five to ten deals, you know, on a yearly basis or or up from there. So usually that's two hundred thousand in gross profit a year or up. So and then probably five million and down. Because once you hit five, seven, ten million, depending on what type of business you have and the margins that you have, then you can have a full time CFO, which we've actually graduated some people out of the program of the part time CFO to a full time CFO. But that's kind of like the client profile. But then we in the real estate world we work with since my background is real estate investing, we work with a lot of people in the single family side where it could be short term long term could be the you know rentals it could be also the fix and flip or wholesale we work with some multifamily some with debt funding you know and have the big funds that they put together so there's a lot of different types but a lot of real estate investors well, about 10% is other businesses, usually because the real estate investors have the other businesses. Like we have a jet ski rental company, <laughs> like oh. like just some random stuff that they have as well. And then we work with some marketing and coaches and stuff like that as well too. But that's kind of like what makes it up now and like who we're trying to serve. Do you see patterns? I think it sounds like you have a lot of exposure. To, you know, you said you have a hundred plus uh, investors that you work with, real estate investors yeah. that you work with every month. Do you see patterns in, in those clients where it's like, hey, you know, every... Every investor who's doing, you know, fix and flip is blank or oh, yeah. blank, yeah. you know, whatever. And 
Is that like flips? They run out, they're out of money all the time. Like yeah. they're and they're usually either using their own or if they're using private money, they're getting into Ponzi schemes because like, hey, I've used Project A's money already and it's gone and now I'm already on lender C for Project A and then it just keeps going and going and going. So like that's something we try and get people away from with this system and like, okay, how much money do we need versus how much is coming in versus how much is going out? I want people using as little of their own money as possible to be able to use to either grow the business or to provide a good life for them. So it's like, how much can we get from other people? And does it make sense with the interest that they're, you know, you're paying them versus what you can, you know, pay out and yeah. like for yourself. So that's what, for the flipping side. I feel like everyone's always running out of money just because they don't have a good system to know where every dollar is going. That's why I love Profit First because it solves that problem big time of like giving every dollar a name in your business and being able to see it from a high level. I would say on the rental side that a lot of people over there are a lot – when they come to us, I feel like their hair's not as much on fire as the, you know, as the uh, fix and flipper. But one of the biggest problems I see is people who have rentals, and if they've ever bought a rental that's not the typical rental, like they bought it subject to – or they bought it under land contract, or they bought it some creative financing way, and then they sell it either creative financing or even a long term or a regular straight rental or whatever it might be. They usually have bookkeeping problems because unless you have a good bookkeeper that knows real estate investing, if you buy something subject to or even sell something on land contract or whatever, one entry might be five lines worth, but you don't have a real estate investor bookkeeper, they might just mark it as income all income and it's like well no in order to get the best yeah. tax strategy here like we need to put it to where it goes and to be compliant as well too so let's you know not to mention just that but that's where as well that's a lot of the things but everyone who comes to us i would say and probably 97 percent of the entrepreneur community just don't have a grasp on the business finances because a lot of us in our personal lives never got this Maybe you went – if you went to a Dave Ramsey course or a Susie or Red Susie Orman or like some of those people, you're probably ahead of most people if you followed some type of personal finance program, but a lot of people haven't. Or they maybe have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but that's not a good enough education to know what to do with the business finances. So it's like I feel like that the business finances are just personal on steroids. So like if you have good discipline habits and stuff in your personal finances, it usually translates to the business, and we can get it under control faster. But then a lot of people that come to us don't have ha good habits in their personal life, so the business yeah. is a mess. And then it's like we have to unravel some of that plus implement the systems and habits that are going to help them for the future. So everyone, no matter what side of the fence they're on, the, the long term or like the fix and flip or whatever, most of them come with one of those two in their background as well too. But those were some of the things that I've seen from specific niches. Do you, do you see um... – how do I say this? I, I feel like they're like the, the nature of the problems, as you said, can be driven by any of those three buckets. Yeah. Does it tend to be more of people having a liquidity problem or is it oftentimes more of just an underlying profitability problem where they just, you know, they're, they're doing that as just fun, something that is fundamentally not profitable? Yeah, I was going to say it's usually that. And usually that's driving the liquidity problem. You know, it's like fundamentally they don't know how to be profitable. And there's there's so many reasons for that in the past, whether they've not – no one usually talks about it like I do where – or like the profit first message talks about the financial. Usually it's someone boring. 
You know, it's like someone that's going to put him to sleep, a bookkeeper, a CPA, who talks about the stuff that's not relevant to what's happening in the day-to-day business that's actually going to help them. That's where a lot of people just don't have that background or that knowledge. So it's like, can we just give this knowledge at a base level? That's what drove me to Profit First and why I preach that message so much because it's such a simple system and message where it's like, I can understand this, get a good system in place, and at least that's – one step closer to profitability, like knowing that the business is profitable. Because I say this a lot, that the purpose of the business is to be profitable. Like so many people lose sight of that and become an accidental nonprofit. You know, it's like, please don't become that. So like be intentional about where the dollars are going, become a profitable business. Your purpose might be different. Like we were talking about on the podcast when you came on with us, like that you want to make an impact in Atlantic City and like you want to make the nice things and the dollars and cents are really nice but then it's making sure also that you're living a fulfilled life and you're actually helping people and getting that out there as well too so it's like you you're not able to do that if you're always just running around with your hair on fire worried about the money where's it coming from where's it going you can't put as much emphasis on your purpose if the business's purpose of making money is not happening so that's where we just talk about that a lot so that was a great question because most people's underlying problem is they just don't have a profitable business and don't know how to drive profitability and the margins and the safety net and getting that all in place yeah when you when you get to the point of having i'm sorry so when you when you get to the point of having something that at least has the foundations of something profitable, I assume the sort of like next step once you've checked that box is to understand how you're going to maximize that profitability or sustain that profitability. I assume there's a pretty substantial kind of planning and budgeting component to this. Can you speak to the, to that and and how you guys try to address that need? Sure. So that's where we drive. Uh, once we get the baseline set up, once we have the prop first system, which is like the envelope system, but for businesses, you can pick up the book and it goes into great depth there. We can talk about that a little bit if we want to. But then also we set up that dashboard and that dashboard drives the rest of the conversations. It's like, what do we need to focus on make, spend, keep? Because we want to make sure you're keeping enough because that keep, those keep numbers of like, what's the profitability? What are the owners taking? Do we have enough for taxes next year? And we're thinking about it this year. Like the, those keep buckets, like are we making sure those are on track? And if they are on track, then we get to talk about are we spending the money in the right place or are we making enough to keep the keep buckets filled, you know, like making sure that we have enough for ourselves and for the business to be profitable. So yes, it's like setting up that system, but then all the conversations are driven around how do we make sure that those three are in alignment, what you're making, spending, keeping. And maybe you say, it's time to scale up. So you say, I still want to be profitable, but maybe I have to take some percentage points from profit and put it towards OPEX, but then you're still you're still making sure you have profitability. So that's the thing, too. You're just protecting that at all costs, even though you might be intentionally taking a little bit less profit, but then you're still you know, putting towards that for a new hire or a new system or whatever. But then at least now it's intentional versus what most people do is build their business on the hope and pray plan. I hope I make enough, and I pray there's some at the end of the year. It's like now I know what I need from my business, and I'm going to aggressively attack that. And if I'm going to make it, at, you know, like, 
take some percentage points from profitability. I'm going to put them towards OPEX, but I'm still going to have at least this amount of profitability, even if it's a lower percentage than it was, because you have to protect that. So that's what we do with people, and it depends on what they want to do. Some people, <laughs> we've worked with some people, they finally get profitable, and they're like, yeah, maybe I don't want to scale, because it's really <laughs> nice having a lot of this profitability come to my pocket and like be able to be where we are, and it's not too much headache now. Like We had one guy who was doing like trying to do three to four deals a month at in 2019 and then at the end of that year he lost seventy thousand dollars like a cpa told him that and he and the cpa said you it would have been better for you to work at mcdonald's you know like than your real estate business and he told me this was the year i did more deals than ever and lost more money than i've ever lost and that's where i'm like oh my gosh like just having a system like this can turn around so he's still with us three years later and last year he with the system and everything he had all of his accounts and like everything for his business for the rest of the year by June, meaning he funded his whole entire business, like the operational expenses, his profitability goals, the b amount he wanted to pay himself by June of last year because he had a simple system to know where every dollar was going, to know where those dollars were and being able to direct them. He even gave from one account last year $70,000 to a camp for kids. Like he set up a giving account. And that's where he was like, two years into this, he was almost like, where was this money going before? You know, like, because in the last three years, he's done less deals than he did in 2019. So he's done less deals, yet he's had more money in his accounts because he's been more intentional with every dollar's going. That's where I became a believer, like through him and other stories that I've seen through him and like through other people now of like, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're making a certain amount of income, it really doesn't matter how much you're making. It really depends on how good are you at catching those dollars on the back end because you're probably missing out on not only, you know, the money that you could be making there, the opportunity cost, but then like just all the stress and headache that comes with that and not being able to fulfill it. So that's where I feel like a lot of people get into that groove of just, it's just the income. Let's go after the income. Let's keep going. But that's where I see a lot of people go down that path. Yeah. Ryan and I talk about that, you know, in a, in a different concept, but a lot, I mean, we actually did a podcast episode recently on, um, which has spawned a lot of things that we've been implementing, but you know, our, our business, I think probably like many other businesses, uh, in the real estate space has relied on expanding, right? Buying yes. more stuff, doing more things, whatever else. And the premise that we did this episode on was, well, what if we could buy no more properties, like do no more things? We just had our current portfolio of stuff. You know, what would we do to really, you know, maximize essentially the portfolio of assets that we that we had? And we sort of brainstorm collectively about, you know, live, you know, on the podcast. Yep brainstorm collectively about it. And it was a really valuable exercise for us. And we've ended up implementing some of those things. It's like, well, you know, yeah, we could capture more bookings. You know, as, as, as I think I mentioned on your podcast, David, we have this direct booking website for our yeah. for, for rentals in Atlantic City. You know, that idea sort of was born out of that conversation because awesome. we're like, well, we're, we're leaving a lot of money on the table because we're spending, you know, our, our the people that stay with us are spending, you know, double digit percentages to Airbnb and we're getting charged by Airbnb, you know, 20% of the amount of money that is being spent is going to Airbnb, right? So like, how hard is it to start a direct booking website? We already pay for Guesty, right? Which offers that functionality. Yeah. Uh, you know, how hard is that, right? So that, you know, that among many other ideas was sort of the the genesis of it. And I think, I think that mentality, I, I think when you're, maybe more speak to myself, but like, you know, like that kind of entrepreneur mentality always want to like go bigger, go faster, go, you know, whatever. Um, and I think that, that, that works for some people, you know, that, that works like if you're kind of 
you know, like a lot of startups basically it works for because they never make any money, right? They're just, yeah. they're just funding their operations with investor funds or debt or whatever. But, you know, the reality is that like, you know, I think to your point, David, if you don't have a, if you don't have a foundation that actually makes you money for whatever reason, uh, and it, you know, it sounds like in your experience, that reason is because people have just have no idea how to manage those businesses, but yeah. you have a business that doesn't make any money at all, then, you know, doubling that business or quadrupling that business is not going to make you any money. It's just going to quadruple the current situation that you're in. Right. hundred percent. One, I think one cool thing that you're doing, and, and this is something that has occurred to me a lot too, is that, you know, when, a lot of real estate investors I find are, you know, one way to look at, at a real estate investor, right, is that, you know, you're just operating a small business. Your small business is that you buy, you know, you buy real estate or, you know, whatever you do in real estate is, is that's the business. But like, you know, you can say you're a real estate investor, but you're really a small business owner. You just happen to, you know, be operating in the real estate domain. And I think, you know, an issue that a lot of small businesses have um, perhaps this is, you know, the kind of the entire premise of, of your company is that like, you know, I, I can't, uh, I don't have the money to hire uh, a CFO, right? Like a, like a treasurer. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I just don't have, I don't have the expertise. I just don't have, like my business makes $100,000 a year, $300,000 a year or whatever. Like how am I going to spend, you know, right. hours in a CFO, right? And the yeah. same is true, I think for, you know, my background as an attorney, like I'm not going to hire an attorney, right? I make $100,000 a year. I'm not going to spend $25,000 an attorney to do whatever. So I think like you can pile that up about everything, right? And so at the end of the day, you get people that are, these real estate investors, small business owners who like have really, maybe they have expertise or whatever in like a small domain and that's what they do, but they don't have the business acumen to actually run the business, right? So yep. maybe having like a fractional CFO business seems to make a ton of sense in that context. It's, it's like, yeah, great. Like I, I can't afford to actually pay a CFO, but I need that service, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why it was born. Because I was like, I don't want to be another bookkeeper, another CPA. Like, I don't want to have that type of business. I want something that makes a difference in the business owner's life. And I feel like that's had to be a higher level service and something where we could talk as actual equals. Like, if you're the CEO, we're the CFO, we're coming to you as being like, okay, you're going to make the money? Like, for the love of God, have a system to keep it as well, too. And, like, let's talk about that. So, like, that's where I – you know, this was born because now we could work with people a lot smaller than people that work with full-time CFOs. So right. it's like being able to actually work with a group of people now that have access to someone like that, but they don't need a full-time person. They only need that access to them on, you know, maybe a monthly, bi-weekly, weekly, depending on like where they are of like, this is how much that they would, you know, need someone like that in their business life. And like you said, to get a lot of just the traditional, like the business acumen of what do we do with the money and here because a lot of people just say like we've talked about it's the income like let's just do more deals and then they end up living deal to deal even though they lived paycheck to paycheck before you know it's like trading one rat race for the other so that's where it's like okay let's slow this down let's make sure we're if we're getting to you to what your actual goals are a lot of people haven't even sat down to say what are their goals in their personal life? Like, what right. do we really need from the business? That was that one guy that was 70000 in the hole. He thought he was, like, doing a great thing, doing the three to four deals a month. And, and the next year I said, after knowing what you need, because we, like, go through this process of, like, how much do you need for your personal life and, like, for your actual, you know, to from the business? And he's like, and he figured it out. He figured it out in deal total. And he said, I only need to do five deals. 
I'm like, that's a lot different than three to four a month. Like, you realize that, right? And he's like, that was just freeing to him of like, I don't have to work 80, 90, 100 hour weeks to do five deals this year. You know, five of these fix and flips and, you know, making sure that I close these. It was like just having those numbers at the palm of your hand, you know, and right there at your fingertips to be able to say, okay, this is what, that's why, like I said, the fractional CFO, I wanted to give a cost effective option for the people who couldn't go out there and hire a full time, you know, chief financial officer. What is so with your with your business as it is right now, I assume, you know, when you started, I guess I'm guessing you had just you, right? It was just you and the business. Now you've grown to to these employees and whatever else. What's the plan? Is the good do you want to keep expanding? Do you want to keep growing? I'm assuming you you know you're implementing the profit first stuff in your own business, right? Mm -hmm. So like is yes, are, are are you are you hoping to, you know, would you would you want to get from a hundred to a thousand? Is that the goal? Or, you know, what what's the what's the end game? The end game, because, yeah, I love when people ask me this question, because I'm honestly like, I'm not sure how far I can take it. I've got a I've got a background of faith. So I'm like, how far does God want me to take it before he says, you're not the leader to do this anymore? Mm -hmm. So like for me, I want to keep expanding, but I also want to keep expanding at a rate that doesn't blow up the business. And I also want to expand at a rate that makes sure that we're helping mm -hmm. the people that I can make an impact on. So it's like, is that the real estate investing market this year? Because like we have a we have a revenue goal for this year and over the next few years here. So probably in the next you know, probably three to four years, we want to be at like the 500 client mark, you know, so that's probably of a more realistic timeline over the next three or four years to be at there and working with that many on a monthly basis. But that's where I'm like, for the long term, I'm not sure how far I can take it or like how, because I've seen it, I've had to level up to from a six figure business owner, you know, like to the seven figures now. And it's like, okay, can I, what about being an eight figure leader? And then from there, how far can I take it once we're at eight figures? And like, it, that, it's just always reassessing how far do I want to take it to, because I also have a wife and a daughter and I don't want to miss out because she's six years old now. And I'm like, this is the best time of life. Yeah. I love six years old. So like, this is stuff that I also don't want to miss out on. So I'm like, how far do I really want to take it without giving up my, you know, yeah. the, my family life as well too? Just throwing that all away. Oh, I can relate. Yeah, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So, oh yeah, yeah, it's a fun. Those thing. are a bit fun. Yeah, the, I, I, <laughs> I'm not gonna say I miss those ages completely, but I love six. Six is amazing. So, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know in three years. But... Yeah, I was gonna say, just stick it out. Stick it out a few more years. It gets, it gets ten times better. Do you still do real estate investing on your own, uh, or is this consumed your? Life? This has consumed my, the last three and a half years of my life. So this is what I've been doing for three and a half years. But and so I sold everything back then. But now I'm actually working on some deals with my brother-in-law who just got married last year to my sister. He he's young, early twenties. But now I'm like mentoring him. He's doing a lot of the work, going out there, talking to the sellers, that type of stuff. And I'm like, I'll fund the deal and make sure it's a good deal on paper and like that and guide you to make sure we're actually making money in this thing and we'll set a profit first and we'll do all this to make sure that we're not running around like chickens with our heads cut off so getting back into it finally again because i felt like i was like my head down was buried and now i can now that i'm not doing the cfo work and i've got a great team and a lot of good people that we're working with it's like now i can pop my head up a little bit and get back into it but i've yeah. been head down focused what do the what, what are the contracts of most of your clients teams look like do they are you often one of their first hires or first main consultants that they would hire? Or do they generally have an existing team of some kind of COO equivalent and bookkeeper and all that? Yeah, they. some of them have a small team. 
So they have maybe a bookkeeper and they have some, some of the people we work with have been solopreneurs. They're just making in real estate. You can make great money. You know, like you could do a flip and do 50, 60, 70, a hundred thousand dollars, depending on the market, even wholesale deals that much. So it's like, we work with some people that are one man, woman operations, but then most of them have a small team. Some of them have had maybe operational consultants before like now they actually need some systems in place and they need the the right things and the right systems processes but then we're usually their first one that may the, where they're like holy crow like we've never been talked to before like this on the financial side you know like usually they have a bookkeeper or cpa but never the conversations that we're having so it's definitely a wake-up call for a lot of people we work with of like oh wow we've never even considered this like i love what you said about the question you asked John, like when you and Ryan had that meeting and like, how do we, you know, if we weren't to take any more properties on, what do we do? It's like asking good questions like that, questions that the owners sometimes just don't even know to think about to mm -hmm. ask themselves. So it's like making sure that they know, okay, what do the numbers mean? Yes. But then what are the questions that they unlock once you know what the numbers mean too? Right. What What's the typically the dynamic between you and the bookkeeper or the CPA? Are you, are you guys yeah. generally working in concert or is it for adversarial because you're trying to usually in concert because if the person hires us they either have an issue with one of those people that they want us to either help or replace or they come in and say i have a great bookkeeper a great cpa but those are their lanes they don't do the fractional cfo work can you work with them and then we just help to manage that team so it's more in concert than anything and making sure that the stuff is flowing but if we ever butt heads it's like we go back to the owner and say hey we're butting heads here would you like to retain us or do you want to not retain them because like they're not wanting the systems that we're implementing and like this is for your benefit so like if it ever gets to that point just bring the cf you know ceo into those conversations if you when you work with a client are you generally working with them on a holistic basis like are you working is the relationship with them or are they bringing you on to work on let's say their their flipping business or their rental portfolio or like some subset of what it is that they do? usually with the people that we're working with it's if they like a guy we just are working with right now like he signed up today he's got a wholesale and flipping company that are kind of like tied together and then rentals and we're going to manage like both of those so we want to do a rental analysis of his portfolio but then we also want to see he's switching from less to doing less flips and more wholesale and he just wants to make sure like as i'm doing this like am i going to still be profitable are we doing enough of the deals like are the margins still as good and like how many deals do i need to do to replace like if this is my average wholesale just a lot of the numbers that he needed on that side as well too so we'll manage both of those as well like usually it's all one price unless you get to like five six entities that are doing like six different major functions but like if you've got a selling business and you've got rentals or long term or short term like that's usually like okay we can manage both sides of that uh, this is maybe a silly question but do, do you encounter i i wonder you know ryan and i encounter a lot of real estate investors in one way or another and like you know sometimes we encounter them we're kind of like how are you like, how is this, you know, how do you, how do you make any money? Like, you know, what is it that you, do you encounter businesses where you're sort of like, you look at the business and you're like, this is hopeless, right? Like, you know, your, your business makes no money. And like, there's really like, you know, the solution to your problem is like, stop doing this or do something vastly different from your current way of operating. I don't think we've ever had it be that drastic. We've had people where 
it's been a rough time period for them or like we can see a trend that it's bad. And so sometimes we recommend pause our services, pause these other things like well, because we're in that seat of like, which is a very unique seat in the business. Like we're not just a marketing company saying just spend more dollars. You know, it'll be better. You'll get more deal flow. We're actually saying you might need to pause some of these things in your business. Take a step back to be like, okay, here's here's the next steps. But not up to this point have we ever sat down with someone and said like, you just need to you, you need to rethink the whole thing you're doing. The worst scenario was 280,000 I think in the hole for the last year when he thought he was profitable. Like he he didn't know it was that bad but Andy thought he was in the black, which was just not a fun situation, but within he we worked with him for two and a half years and he was able to get not only dig out of the hole but like be able to have money for taxes at tax time and like do all this stuff and it, it was just being able to direct the money better of like where, okay, you have enough that's coming in. We just have to stop spending in the areas that are not returning you anything and really spending it where it should go. So that's what that's one of the worst situations we've come across where even then we didn't tell him stop everything, you know, fold up shop. It was, he had some assets like rentals. So we were like, you might have to sell off some of the rentals that you've built. And he started crying on that phone call because he was like, you know, this has taken me, you know, a decade to build a lot of these rentals and it's like okay we totally understand that this these are your options though like you could either sell some of these to get back in the black you can do more of this wholesale like this vertical here do you think you can hit this amount of you know properties or do you want to give up you know and like yeah. just turn it turn the keys in so like for him he chose to sell a few of the rentals you know like go to only commission base for all of his you know the people the acquisitions people because he wasn't doing that before it's like just some big strategic things he was able to do start getting himself out of that hole david i know we are wrapping up here i i wonder i want to ask you one last question a little bit different than what we were just talking about for the people that are listening that are, you know, relating to, to what you're saying, uh, what is there from that profit first mentality methodology? Is there a, an overarching piece of advice that you can impart and say, like, here's something you can do, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm sure they can contact you is something they could do, but you know, in addition to that, sure. is there something that they can do to, you know, to kind of like take, take control of that right now? So the whole system, I didn't get into it as much in the nitty gritty, but the whole system is based on you look at your bank account on a daily basis, usually like most entrepreneurs do and not at a QuickBooks system or something because you'd rather stick your head in the sand or like kick sand, you know, than do that. So it's like, hey, we'll utilize what you're already doing and set up like the envelope system for your business, but with business bank accounts. So like having accounts that are literally set up named different things like profit or owner's pay or like owner's tax, like making sure that the things that matter to you also have a bank account name for them and you can see where the money is what's to pay the bills versus what's to pay me and to make sure that i'm okay to make sure the business is okay like having those types of accounts set up so i would just say from this one go from this episode open one new bank account call it profit and transfer one percent to it like start to get into the habit then pick up the book and go deeper like what other accounts could i set up what are the percentages that should go to these accounts like how do i know if i have a healthy business or not a lot of the questions I answer in the book as well, too. And it's like that book, I don't make a ton of money off the book. I'm not trying to sell a million copies. I'm trying to get you a good system where if you're like, I'm just living deal to deal at this point and just the, I thought income solved everything and it's not and it's and it never has for me, then like just get a simple system in place. But that would be like one action step they could take is if you're listening to this, open one account, transfer 1%, get into the habit of not spending everything you make. 
of just being a profitable business, starting to build margin in. And if you're like, I can only do 1% at this time because we've been spending so much. How about next quarter? Can you do 3%? Next quarter, do 5, 7, 10, 12, 15. Like, that way you could start scaling up your profitability as well, too, just because yeah. once you have a, a grasp on it. This has been awesome, David. Thank you so much. How can people get in touch with you to learn more about the Fractional CFO business, about the book, about your podcast? What's the best way for people to reach you? One-stop shop is simplecfo.com. Trying to make it very easy. So simplecfo.com. You can find the podcast there, the link to the book. And if you want to book a call, it's right there. No obligation. We'll, if we're not the right fit, we'll make sure we pin you to a good real estate investing bookkeeper or a CPA or something like just to make sure that you have that piece buttoned up so that's where you could go simplecfo.com awesome awesome that's great david thank you so much for being on the podcast we really enjoyed having you and yeah. uh, we'll check back in hopefully uh we were on your podcast maybe we can do a follow-up episode in like yeah year or something. Yeah, yeah it sounds good great and thank you all for listening to the brick by brick podcast uh john uh i'm here john with ryan if you'd like to contact us uh the best way to contact me is through email it's john j-o-h-n at libertyhudson.com and I'm Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at prettyhudson.com. We really love talking with our uh, listeners. So if you can like us or follow us on whatever platform you listen to us on, that would help us a tremendous amount. Feel free to ask us any questions or comments uh, for future episodes. And we'll be back next week with a new episode. Thank you guys so much.